Turn, please, for our reading to Psalm 25. Now, there's usually a clock above the back door, isn't there? But there's not one here, is it? Oh, there's one over there. Thank you. Is it right? Yeah. Near enough. Psalm 25. Good evening. Have you had, have you had a nice time? Good. read a couple of uh, short passages from, uh, from two psalms. One is Psalm 25 and then we'll go over to Psalm 62. Okay, I'm going to pray and I think we'll, we'll start. I'm sure they'll be quiet as they come in, says he. One bawling his eyes out. (laughs) Well, friends, shall we pray, please? It's been a long day and you've had a busy week and uh, let's just ask the Lord to help us, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for all your encouragement. We want to thank you for all your willingness to instruct us and to teach us in the way that we should go. We pray for teachable hearts, teachable spirits, and Lord, for your work uh, this evening and indeed in this camp to be brought to something of a conclusion and a completion, we pray, even this evening. So we commit ourselves into your hands. Amen. Amen. Now please understand, before the um, events of the weekend, uh, we had a holiday, Fiona and myself, before that we had a young adults week, which was quite full on, and before that we had our daughter's wedding. So when uh, Dion asked me if I'd be willing to speak, I have to say my flesh said, actually, I'd rather just put my feet up. But I did ask the Lord, and I said to the Lord, please, would you show me what to do? Well, I, I really have to say, I didn't know really until this afternoon. I've actually brought some other stuff, but I just didn't have a liberty in my spirit to, to, share, to share that. And I'm not going to go on um, as long as other people do. Um, not least because I think it's getting late and you've heard quite a bit anyway over these last few days so just we'll just try and be sensitive to the Lord just to know what he wants to say to us so what I want to bring is very very straightforward but it's absolutely vital Psalm 25 to you O Lord I lift up my soul O my God I trust in you let me not be ashamed let not my enemies triumph over me Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those, who, let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. 
and the opening scriptures, the opening verses from Psalm 62 as well. Keep your finger in Psalm 25, please. Psalm 62, truly my soul silently waits for God. Your version may say something a little bit different. I've read the New King James. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. We'll leave it there. Psalm 25, I've got about five or six points and they all begin with P and the first one is point itself, the point. I want to share with you a vital principle, a nub of, of so much. Um, it's there in Psalm 25 and verse 5. It says, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. And what I want to share with us this evening is about waiting on God. Waiting on God. And the point, the nub, the crux of the matter is there in that little phrase. On you I wait all the day long. Now I don't know what your perspective is. Of, uh, in your relationship with the Lord or what even you imagine waiting on God to be like. I think for many of us, we have a kind of uh, a sense that God, our God slot is in the morning for about half an hour or whatever it is, 10 minutes, whatever it is. And I'm not trying to say one's better than another. Um, but that happens in the morning or whenever it is, perhaps last thing at night, and there's a slightly longer time on the Sunday and maybe during the midweek, and that's when we meet with others. That's when we wait on God, but otherwise we're doing our own thing. What does this verse say? It actually says, on you I wait all the day long. Now have you grasped that, my dear friends? If, if, if you do, it'll transform your lives. Every moment of every day is to be seen as waiting on God. So, if, so you do everything unto the Lord. You do everything through him. You do everything in, with a sense that he is looking on. He is observing. And you're doing everything to please him. And if in anything those things can't happen, you're not waiting upon God. So drop it, leave it. So if you're in a horrendous job, on you I wait all the day long. If you are doing, uh, if you're living with somebody or working with somebody who you find such a pain and you're just about to blast them and you say, oh God, I hate that person. On you, I wait all the day long. So it'll restrain your language, won't it? On you do I wait all the day long. Now that is the nub of it. So what I want to do is to look at the whole matter of waiting on God. I'm not going to give you a sort of formula uh, you know, point one, two, three, four, five. These, this is how to wait on God. I'll touch on various things maybe as I go through, but I want to, to share with you just the, the principles of it. 
so that something is imparted to our hearts this evening which will, God willing, transform our lives. Now the reason for this is there in verse 3 and that this is just hearing John this, this, this morning speaking about uh, Noah walking with God and that when the Lord Jesus returns it will be as in the days of Noah. Look at what it says in verse 3. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Now when you go to the New Testament, I might refer to other scriptures if you're taking notes. Um, I don't know whether you are, but if you are, I'll give you the reference. Um, uh, if we jump around a bit, uh, try and keep up. <laughs> but uh, we've got quite a bit to get through. Um, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, but 1 John 2 in the New Testament says, says this, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, when, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. So putting this into the context of the Lord's return, when the Lord returns, he wants us to be a people who are confident, who are assured, who are steadfast, who are stable, people who are not tossed to and fro, not thrown about by either every wind of doctrine, but neither perplexed by the events that are going on in the world. He wants us to have confidence and not to be ashamed before him at his coming. So if you and I are going to live as Noah lived in the last days, waiting on God is the key to not being ashamed. Do you see that? Some of you do. The rest of you probably taking it in. Or you're half asleep. I understand. But friends, do you see, you know, this, is not a, this is not an option, what we're talking about this evening. Waiting on God is absolutely fundamental if, if we're going to be those that stand when he comes. And it says in 1 John 2, that same verse, and now little children abide in him. So waiting on God is part of our, of our abiding in him, continuing in the Lord. Maybe a little bit more of that. <clears throat> later on. And of course the Lord says many other things about, about not being ashamed. He, doesn't he say that if we're ashamed when he comes of him and his words, uh, that he will be ashamed of us? So friends, waiting on God is vital now. It, it's the key to not being ashamed. Can I respectfully say what has happened over the, over the weekend to me has, has absolutely, I have known God just uphold and lead and direct. It could not have happened unless I had known something anyway of what it was to wait upon God. How can, how, how can you face the kind of situations that we're going to have to face increasingly unless you are learning to wait upon God? And that will determine whether or not you can be confident of him and his words now, of course. Well, uh, so that puts the thing so, um, at his, um, that puts this thing in its context. So having talked a little bit about, uh, about the point of all this, uh, the second thing is the promise. If we wait on God, we will not be ashamed. Have you got that? Is this, I think this is tremendous. We do not need to be ashamed. 
Indeed, it goes on to say, um, I'm sorry, it doesn't, the bit before, before that, oh my God, I trust in you, let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. The key to not letting the enemies triumph over us is that we have that relationship to God where we are waiting on him all the day long. Let those who uh, be ashamed, who deal treacherously without a cause. Waiting on God is the key to being in a place where God can lead us and teach us. Verse 4, you don't need me, I think, to unpack this. It's there for you. It's obvious, isn't it? Show me your ways, O Lord. These are not just you know, isolated verses sort of joined together by a, by a psalmist who is just feeling like writing one thing joining up to the next. No, they're all interlinked. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. My dear friends, if you are born again of the Spirit, God has saved you. But this is not talking about that. This is talking about God being your salvation, affecting every part of your life. God delivering you from your sin, the practice of sin. God delivering you from, 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 uh, from uh, being ashamed of him. God delivering you from when, when things threaten to overcome you. Do you remember the challenge to all the churches? Every one of them in the book of Revelation. He that overcomes. How are we going to overcome in the days ahead unless we're learning to wait on God? And please, I'm not talking about having a good quiet time. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about seeing that our whole lives are actually awaiting on God. How can we walk with God as Enoch, Abraham and Noah did unless we are waiting on God? It was out of that waiting on God, that relationship that Noah had. You don't read much about the detail of it, but there must have been something there because God eventually said to him, make an ark. These are the measurements. Before that he said, Noah, I'm going to put an end to the world as you know it. That wasn't the first time that God had spoken to Noah. There was a relationship with God. And I don't know, it doesn't say Noah had his quiet time. <laughs> it, it was at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, Noah may have been out, f out for a walk. As Noah, as, um, as Enoch was out for a walk. Different situation. You remember what happened with Enoch? And God said to him, Enoch, do you want to come to my house for tea? Come up. Enoch said, yes, please, and I'd rather like to stay there. <clears throat> he is the God of your salvation. My friends, is there any area of your life where his salvation has not touched you? If there is, as you wait on God, as you learn to wait on God, God will move in. It's the key to accessing the power of God for your life. Waiting on God. Therefore, <clears throat> we need to trust him. Maybe we'll come on to that, I think, in the next psalm. So, um, let's go to Psalm 62. <coughs> psalm 62. 
So those are some of the promises of waiting on God. In Psalm 62, uh, we come to some things I suppose to do with how we can do it. Uh, so I'll give you some principles. This is the first one, and um, it's to do with our position. Another word beginning with P. I hope you can remember these things. So, truly, my soul waits on God. Or your version may have, truly my soul waits for God. Uh, in verse 5 it says, wait thou only upon God. Now, actually, verse 1, it could be translated like, like this. Um, in my uh, disorganisation for coming here, I left a whole load of notes, which I thought I might look at if we were going to do this, sub this subject. So, I've left them behind. So, what I'm actually doing is a little bit from memory, but there are a number of words in the Hebrew describing waiting on God in a slightly different way. And this is, is one of them here, and it basically means to be still. Uh, hence, the New King James, truly my soul silently waits for God. It's to do with, with stillness and with silence. They're not the same thing. Let me just unpack them a little bit for you. Stillness. We heard Psalm 46 this evening, didn't we? Be still and know. My friends, if you want to wait on God, you are going to need to learn to be still in his presence. How do I do that, you may ask. Be still, the word literally means let go. Drop it. I think this is tremendous. Some of you are holding on to issues, problems, questions, maybe unanswered questions, and you're holding on like a dog with a bone. And you say, I'm not going to let go of that. Now, your questions may be valid, and I'm not trying to knock you for having the question, but I am saying is that if you want to access the wisdom of God or the salvation of God, if you want God to move into your heart and your life, you need to let go. Some of you, if you're working too hard for the Lord or if something is so preoccupying you, like, like Martha, do you remember? brushing around here, there and everywhere. You need to let go of things. Uh, I'm not talking about the busyness of life, I'm talking about the things that bombard our minds. When we come before the Lord, it's a real art just to say, Lord, I hand that over to you. I'm not sure about the answer to this question, Lord, this thing is really troubling me, but do you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to commit it to you. And do you remember what the scripture says about casting your anxieties on the Lord? <clears throat> Do you remember what the scriptures say about casting your anxieties? Oh no, please show me, you're not asleep. Thank you. It, do you know what it means? It means to, to roll. It means to literally, I think, to shove it. <laughs> Throw it, heave it onto the Lord. It's not just saying, Lord, I commit this to you. It's, it's Lord, this thing is a weight on my mind. I'm going to leave it with you. And then don't take it back again. So we need to learn to be still. And of course, Psalm 46, which we've heard, is a prophetic psalm about the days in which we live. And though the heathen roar and the nations are in a tumult and the waters roar and are troubled, etc., all these things speak of the, of the, of the toing and froing and upheaval of Gentile nations, etc. Uh, the Lord says to his people, be still. And there is a river that makes glad the city of God. 
let go and draw from the river. Well, that's, that's stillness. No anxiety, but instead a trust in the Lord. Do you know what the scripture means by trust? I think it's one of those words we sort of use and we don't always know what it means. It, uh, it means to lean on. So depend on the Lord. Shove your burden onto him and then lean on him. So stillness. But it can be, as in the New American Standard translation of this, be silent. Now there are times we need to be silent before the Lord and we need to learn to keep our mouths shut and to wait on the Lord. Do you remember what it says in Ecclesiastes when you go to the house of God, don't be too talkative or words to that effect. But I'm not going to take it like that because I'm certainly not amongst those who, who says that we should not say an, anything and just all, all our prayer meetings should be like Quakers, you know, saying absolutely nothing. I'm not saying that. But I do think, friend, friends, hear me on this, consider it. I do think sometimes, and I may be as guilty as anybody, that we actually speak far too much. And waiting on God involves a listening, even if there is a talking as well. What is the Spirit of God saying? In our prayer meetings, in our prayer times, whether it's corporate or individual, we need to, to listen to what the Lord is saying. How is he wanting us to pray? Because we don't know how to pray as we all thank God. But he can teach us how to pray, can't he? He gives us the burden, so we need to listen. And if we're not sure, let's just, just take a little bit of time and say, now Lord, how do you want me to pray? Is there something you're saying to me here? And you know, we do have to listen, because that, in my experience, and in Elijah's experience, it's a still, small voice. These things are very important, aren't they, for waiting on God, if we're going to learn to do it. <clears throat> this is the position of stillness and of silence. I suppose, really, what I'm saying is, in another word, is that there is a rest in the Lord. And that's why Noah is so important again. Because his name, as we heard this morning, means rest. My friends, Church of God, are we at rest? Are we at rest? Rest is not an absence of strife. It is a position where we are experiencing and knowing that grace of God and the victory of God over our circumstances or in our circumstances. So that we do not need to be anxious. We do not need to be troubled. The Lord will have his way. Hallelujah. Truly, <clears throat> my soul waits on God. From him comes my salvation. We've read about that in Psalm 25, and I won't go on. <clears throat> but it spells it out, because he only is my rock. suppose one of the burdens I've come with this evening, reinforced as I look at these words, is to ask you whether there's anybody or anything else other than God who is your rock. You see, if we're not going to be ashamed at his, his coming, we need to know the Lord as our rock. He only is my rock and my defence uh, and my salvation, I beg your pardon. He is my defence. I shall not be greatly moved. You might get a little bit 
little bit shaken, but you won't be greatly moved. So let's be realistic. I'm not saying you're not going to have any problems or you'll go smile sweetly through them, but, but you'll know the Lord is keeping you. All right, I mean, the rains come down and the floods come up. You can't stop them. But if your life is standing on a rock, you won't collapse. <clears throat> and then moving on to verse 5. Wait, my soul. Uh, I haven't got time to consider this, but now the psalmist is, is saying to himself, having declared the truth in verse 1, he now talks to himself. Was it Martin Lloyd-Jones, I think it was, who said, if you don't talk to yourself, Satan will talk to you. Well, was something like that? Yourself. Yourself will talk to you. If you don't talk to yourself. So sometimes we need to take ourselves in hand. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Ladies, you need to take hold of your emotions. Gentlemen, that's a, that's a broad, sweeping statement, and I'm probably going to be collared afterwards by a few of you. Forgive me. Another broad statement. Gentlemen, we need to take hold of our minds. Speak to our minds. Mind, submit to God. You don't understand what's going on, but submit to God. Emotions, calm down. The Lord's in, in control. <laughs> Truly, my soul, my soul, wait thou only upon God, because my expectation is from him. Now, I don't know whether it's here, forgive me, as I said, I left some of the notes behind, but certainly in Psalm 25 and in other scriptures that you probably know, and there are so many, we haven't got time to look through them all, but um, scriptures like Isaiah 40, verse 31, which I thought I'd throw in as we begin to draw to a conclusion, because I know you'll know it, and if you've been asleep so far, you'll probably wake up. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. But waiting on God there, that's a, this is a different word from being silent or being still. This word is like a rope being entwined, the, the cords, the strands of a rope, and they're absolutely entwined. And this word is so common in the, in the Old Testament, translated as waiting on God. And it's there in Isaiah 40. My friends, can I ask you, can I put it like this? Your life needs to be absolutely intertwined with the life of God. If you haven't learned how to abide in him, how to draw from him in his word, how to be filled with the spirit continually, how to come into his presence and, and, and worship him and just be there. Do you know what God said to Moses? Come up into the mountain and... I'll give you the Ten Commandments. He didn't say that. He said, come up to the mountain and, I'll, and be there. And can you imagine what happened on day, well, let's say day five? Moses says, Lord, I'm here. I've been here for four days. How much longer are you going to be here, Lord? Because I want to get back down again. The Lord doesn't say anything. Well, I don't want to, to jest over much, but do you get the point? It was at the end of a 40-day period that God gave the word, that God gave the instruction. Because God was saying to Moses, be there, because he wanted his company. And if God is saying anything to us, it's to say, people of God, I want your company, I want your fellowship. And if you're going to be clock-watching the whole time, 
Or if your mind is going to be so busy with other things, you're not going to, the Lord isn't going to have your fellowship and you're not going to wait on God. But the marvellous thing is, as you wait upon the Lord, you will renew, and that means to change your strength. I think it could even mean two things. It could mean to change your strength so that actually you see that your strength can be put in the dust and forget it, you're not going to do anything in your strength. It's going to be his strength, or it could be that he will exchange your strength. So he'll take away your strength, or rather just leave you to recognise that it's going to stay in the dust, and he'll give you his strength in exchange. If you do that, you will rise up with wings like eagles, mount uh, up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. We'll move to a bit of a conclusion. I'll try and finish in five minutes. I have less time than I was promised, so forgive me, but that's what we're going to do. Verse 7, I will finish by quarter past. Verse 7, in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength. I don't know what your version says, but I'm going to take it from the AV and from the New King, King James. I think this is tremendous. Having said that God is my salvation, here it says, in God is my salvation. The key to waiting on God is very simple. Remain in him. Remain in him. In God, if you remain in him, that is your salvation. The enemy can't get you. The world can't uh, trouble you over much. Conquer you, certainly not. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Let's finish with Psalm 40. Um, maybe one other. I've mentioned the point, the promise of waiting on God, our position as we wait on God, the priority of it is what it says in Psalm 27. Now, did I say Psalm 40? Well, let's, let's go to Psalm 40 then, as I said, we'll do that. But we'll come on to the last thing in a minute. I waited patiently for the Lord. Here's another practical thing. I waited patiently for the Lord. If you've got a, a version which will give you an alternative tra translation, it actually says this. In waiting, I waited. And the, because that doesn't make sense, we say, I waited patiently for the Lord. All right, I think this is great. Okay, so you're waiting for a bus. I waited patiently for the bus or for the train, and the bus doesn't come, and the train doesn't come, or it's delayed, so you say, I'm waiting for the bus. And then you say, I'm waiting for the But you're not waiting patiently, are you? You're waiting, but it's very impatient. <laughs> In waiting, I waited. What about when the Lord doesn't show up? When things take longer to happen? Than maybe we want. Are we going to wait patiently? Learn the lesson from King Saul, who forced God's hand, or forced himself, I should say, from memory, forced himself because he couldn't wait, and God took away the kingship from him as a result. 
Learn to wait patiently for the Lord. He will incline his ear to you and hear your cry. Psalm 27 and verse 14. We're just keeping to the Psalms mainly because of the sake of time. Psalm 27 and verse 14. The priority of this, and again a tremendous promise here. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. And the marvellous thing, you know, is as you and I learn to wait on the Lord, whether that's going to involve prayer, intercession, supplications, worship, feeding on the word, reading the scriptures, whatever form that takes, maybe you've got a job that's flat out and you're waiting on God will just be, Lord, hallelujah, while you're doing your typing or whatever. Just, just occasionally say, Lord, hallelujah, I'm doing this to you. Just having a relationship with the Lord where you're doing everything to him. But as you do that, he will strengthen your heart. Uh, and we're to be of a good courage, which means that we're to be alert. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There is the command. Back to Psalm 25. <clears throat> and this will be the last one. Verse 21, at the end of the psalm, let's read from verse, verse 19. Um, maybe verse... Well, uh, you know, just, just thinking about the, the, the context of the, of the end times and the days as we've been looking at and the context of this being like the days of Noah and so on, I just think these things are very relevant, really. Verse 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. He shall pluck my feet out, out of the net. If you feel that a net is being laid for you in some way, get your eyes on the Lord. He can rescue you. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. These are the kind of prayers to pray. I'm desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Do you feel like that? Bring me out of my distresses. Call out to the Lord. Look on my affliction and my pain. Forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies for they are many. They hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. I put my trust in you. Despite all that's been happening in those previous verses, we're to put our trust in the Lord. And then it says this, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you. If you have that kind of relationship with the Lord, then integrity, that is to do with our relationship to God. That literally means a wholeness, a completeness. That will keep you. I do trust there's nobody here. You're trying to hide anything from God or think that you can get God round your finger and twist, twist him round your little finger and so on. No, be a person of integrity before God. Let integrity and uprightness, and that means straight dealings with others, let these things preserve me. If you don't have those things, you won't have the preservation. But... You will know those things if you wait on God. It says, for I wait on you. What a challenge, what a privilege, and what blessings await us as we learn to do this. My friends, I think it's something we have to learn to do more. I'm convinced of it. 
Let's pray. Dearest Lord, you know our hearts, you know our situations. You know where there are any of us that rush in and out of your presence, where our eyes are not really on you at all. You know where there are those of us who are distracted, and you know those of us who are weighed down by issues, and we can hardly, hardly look up. Lord, help us to wait on you. Lord, I want to ask you for every one of us, for my brothers and sisters, teach us in these days, if we're going to walk with you, teach us to wait on you. Teach us to wait on you all the day long. Give us perspective. Strengthen our hearts, we pray. Establish us and deliver us from anything that is not, cannot be seen in that context of waiting on you all the day long. Hear us, we pray. Write whatever has been brought by your spirit to our hearts this evening. Write them on our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.